Section thirteen of Celtic Folk and Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Celtic Folk and Fairy Tales. Edited by Joseph Jacobs. Section thirteen. The Wooing of Olwen. Shortly after the birth of Kiluch, the son of King Kilith, his mother died. Before her death she charged the king that he should not take a wife again until he saw a briar with two blossoms upon her grave, and the king sent every morning to see if anything were growing thereon. After many years the briar appeared, and he took to wife the widow of King Dojed. She foretold to her stepson, Kiluch, that it was his destiny to marry a maiden named Olwen, or none other, and he, at his father's bidding, went to the court of his cousin, King Arthur, to ask as a boon the hand of the maiden. He rode upon a grey steed with shell-formed hooves, having a bridle of linked gold, and a saddle also of gold. In his hand were two spears of silver, well-tempered, headed with steel, of an edge to wound the wind and cause blood to flow, and swifter than the fall of the dew-drop from the blade of reed-grass upon the earth, when the dew of June is at its heaviest. A gold-hilted sword was on his thigh, and the blade was of gold, having inlaid upon it a cross of the hue of the lightning of heaven, two brindled white-breasted greyhounds, with strong collars of rubies, sported round him, and his courser cast up four sods, with its four hooves like four swallows about his head. Upon the steed was a four-cornered cloth of purple, and an apple of gold was at each corner. Precious gold was upon the stirrups and shoes, and the blade of grass bent not beneath them. So light was the courser's tread as he went towards the gate of King Arthur's palace. Arthur received him with great ceremony, and asked him to remain at the palace. But the youth replied that he came not to consume meat and drink, but to ask a boon of the king. Then said Arthur, since thou wilt not remain here, chieftain, thou shalt receive the boon, whatsoever thy tongue may name, as far as the wind dries and the rain moistens, and the sun revolves, and the sea encircles, and the earth extends, save only my ships and my mantle, my sword, my lance, my shield, my dagger, and Guinevere, my wife. So Kilich craved of him the hand of Olwen, the daughter of Yipsafad and Penquar, and also asked the favor and aid of all Arthur's court. Then said Arthur, O chieftain, I have never heard of the maiden of whom thou speakest, nor of her kindred, but I will gladly send messengers in search of her. And the youth said, I will willingly grant from this night to that, at the end of the year to do so. Then Arthur sent messengers to every land within his dominions to seek for the maiden, and at the end of the year Arthur's messengers returned without having gained any knowledge or information concerning Olwen more than on the first day. Then said Kiluch, Everyone has received his boon, and I yet lack mine. I will depart and bear away thy honor with me. Then said Kay, Rash chieftain, dost thou reproach Arthur? Go with us, and we will not part until thou dost either confess that the maiden exists not in the world, 
or until we obtain her. Thereupon Kay rose up. Kay had this peculiarity, that his breath lasted nine nights and nine days under water, and he could exist nine nights and nine days without sleep. A wound from Kay's sword no physician could heal. Very subtle was Kay. When it pleased him, he could render himself as tall as the highest tree in the forest, and he had another peculiarity. So great was the heat of his nature that, when it rained hardest, whatever he carried remained dry for a handbreadth above and a handbreadth below his hand, and when his companions were coldest, it was to them as fuel with which to light their fire. And Arthur called Bedwyr, who never shrank from any enterprise upon which Kay was bound. None was equal to him in swiftness throughout this island except Arthur and Drik, al Kibthar, and although he was one-handed, three warriors could not shed blood faster than he on the field of battle. Another property he had, his lance would produce a wound equal to nine opposing lances. And Arthur called to Kinflag, the guide, Go thou upon this expedition with the chieftain, for as good a guide was he in a land which he had never seen as he was in his own. He called Grihar Gwalstwat, Lithod, because he knew all tongues. He called Gwalchme, the son of Gwihar, because he never returned home without achieving the adventure of which he went in quest. He was the best of footmen and the best of knights. He was nephew to Arthur, the son of his sister and his cousin. And Arthur called Manui, the son of Tiergwith, in order that if they went into a savage country, he might cast a charm and an illusion over them, so that none might see them whilst they could see everyone. They journeyed on till they came to a vast open plain, wherein they saw a great castle, which was the fairest in the world, but so far away was it that at night it seemed no nearer, and they scarcely reached it on the third day. When they came before the castle, they beheld a vast flock of sheep, boundless and without end. They told their errand to the herdsmen, who endeavored to dissuade them. Since none who had come thither on the quest had returned alive, they gave to him a gold ring, which he conveyed to his wife, telling her who the visitors were. On the approach of the latter, she ran out with joy to greet them, and sought to throw her arms about their necks. But Kay, snatching a billet out of the pile, placed the log between her two hands, and she squeezed it so that it became a twisted coil. O oh, woman, said Kay, if thou hadst squeezed me thus, none could ever again have set their affections on me. Evil love were this. They entered the house, and after meat she told them that the maiden Olowen came there every Saturday to wash. They pledged their faith that they would not harm her and a message was sent to her. So Olwen came, clothed in a robe of flame-colored silk, and with a collar of ruddy gold, in which were emeralds and rubies about her neck. More golden was her hair than the flower of the broom, and her skin was whiter than the foam of the wave, and fairer were her hands and fingers than the blossoms of the wood anemone, amidst the spray of the meadow fountain. Brighter were her glances than those of a falcon, her bosom was more snowy than the breast of the white swan, her cheek redder than the reddest roses. Whoso beheld was filled with her love, for a white truffle sprang up wherever she trod, 
and therefore was she called Olwen. Then Kilich, sitting beside her on a bench, told her his love, and she said that he would win her as his bride if he granted whatever her father asked. Accordingly, they went up to the castle and laid their request before him. Raise up the forks beneath my two eyebrows which have fallen over my eyes, said Yipsothad and Penquar, that I may see the fashion of my son-in-law. They did so, and he promised them an answer on the morrow. But as they were going forth, Yipsothadan seized one of the three poisoned darts that lay beside him and threw it back after them, and Bedwyr caught it and flung it back, wounding Yipsothadan in the knee. Then said he, Accursed ungentle son-in-law, truly I shall ever walk the worse for his rudeness. This poisoned iron pains me like the bite of a gadfly. Cursed be the smith who forged it, and the anvil whereon it was wrought. The knights rested in the house of Kustenin, the herdsman, but the next day at dawn they returned to the castle and renewed their request. Yusathodin said it was necessary that he should consult Olwen's four great-grandmothers and her four great-grandsires. The knights again withdrew, and as they were going he took the second dart and cast it after them. But Menuo caught it and flung it back, piercing Yipsothadan's breast with it, so that it came out at the small of his back. Accursed ungentle son-in-law, truly, says he, the hired iron pains me like the bite of a horse-leech. Cursed be the hearth whereon it was heated. Henceforth, whenever I go up a hill, I shall have a scant in my breath and a pain in my chest. On the third day the knights returned once more to the palace, and Yipsothadan took the third dart and cast it at them. But Kilich caught it and threw it vigorously, and wounded him through the eyeball, so that the dart came out at the back of his head. Accursed ungentle son-in-law truly, as long as I remain alive my eyesight will be the worse. Whenever I go against the wind my eyes will water, and peradventure my head will burn, and I shall have a giddiness every new moon. Cursed be the fire in which it was forged. Like the bite of a mad dog is the stroke of this poisoned iron. And they went to meet. Said Yipsothan and Penquar, Is it thou that seekest my daughter? It is I, answered Kiluch. I must have thy pledge that thou wilt not do towards me otherwise than is just. And when I have gotten that which I shall name, my daughter thou shalt have. I promise thee that willingly, said Kilich, name what thou wilt. I will do so, said he. Throughout the world there is not a comb or scissors with which I can arrange my hair, on account of its rankness, except the comb and scissors that are between the two ears of Truch Truth, the son of Prince Tarad. He will not give them of his own free will, and thou wilt not be able to compel him. It will be easy for me to compass this, although thou mayest think that it will not be easy. Though thou get this, there is yet that which thou wilt not get. It will not be possible to hunt Truge Truth without Drudwin, the whelp of Creed, the son of Eri, and know that throughout the world there is not a huntsman who can hunt with this dog, except Mabin, the son of Modron. He was taken from his mother when three nights old, and it is not known where he is now, nor whether he is living or dead. It will be easy for me to compass this, although thou mayest think that it will not be easy. 
though thou get this, there is yet that which thou wilt not get. Thou wilt not get Mabin, for it is not known where he is, unless thou find Eodel, his kinsman in blood, the son of Er, for it would be useless to seek for him. He is his cousin. It will be easy for me to compass this, although thou mayest think that it will not be easy. Horses shall I have, and chivalry, and my lord and kinsman Arthur will obtain for me all these things, and I shall gain thy daughter, and thou shalt lose thy life. Go forward, and thou shalt not be chargeable for food or raiment for my daughter. While thou art seeking these things, and when thou hast compassed all these marvels, thou shalt have my daughter for a wife. Now, when they told Arthur how they had sped, Arthur said, Which of these marvels will it be best for us to seek first? It will be best, said they, to seek Mabon, the son of Modron, and he will not be found unless we first find Eodel, the son of Aer, his kinsman. Then Arthur rose up, and the warriors of the islands of Britain with him, to seek for Eodel, and they proceeded until they came before the castle of Glevi, where Eodel was imprisoned. Glevi stood on the summit of his castle, and said, Arthur, what requirest thou of me, since nothing remains to me in this fortress, and I have neither joy nor pleasure in it, neither wheat nor oats? Said Arthur, Not to injure thee came I hither, but to seek for the prisoner that is with thee. I will give thee my prisoner, though I had not thought to give him up to any one, and therewith shalt thou have my support and my aid. His followers then said unto Arthur, Lord, go thou home, thou canst not proceed with thy host in quest of such small adventures as these. Then said Arthur, It were well for thee, we hark, wouldst thou to go upon this quest, for thou knowest all languages, and art familiar with those of the birds and the beasts. Go, Eval, likewise with my men in search of thy cousin, and as for you, Kay and Bedwyr, I have hope of whatever adventure ye are in quest of, that ye will achieve it. Achieve ye this adventure for me. These went forward until they came to the Usal of Sigri, and Gwihar adjured her for the sake of heaven, saying, Tell me if thou knowest aught of Mabin, the son of Modron, who was taken when three nights old from between his mother and the wall. And the Usal answered, when I first came here, there was a smith's anvil in this place, and I was then a young bird, and from that time no work has been done upon it, save the pecking of my beak every evening, and now there is not so much as the size of a nut remaining thereof. Yet the vengeance of heaven be upon me, if during all that time I have ever heard of the man of, for whom you inquire. Nevertheless, there is a race of animals who were formed before me, and I will be your guide to them. So they proceeded to the place where was the stag of Renvir. Stag of Renvir, behold, we are come to thee, an embassy from Arthur, for we have not heard of any animal older than thou. Say, knowest thou aught of Mabon? The stag said, When first I came hither, there was a plain all around me, without any trees save one oak sapling, which grew up to be an oak with a hundred branches, and that oak has since perished, so that now nothing remains of it but the withered stump, and from that day to this I have been here, yet have I never heard of the man for whom you inquire. 
Nevertheless, I will be your guide to the place where there is an animal which was formed before I was. So they proceeded to the place where was the owl of Queen Qualad to inquire of him concerning Mabon. And the owl said, If I knew, I would tell you. When first I came hither, the wide valley you see was a wooded glen, and a race of men came and rooted it up, and there grew there a second wood, and this wood is the third. My wings are they not withered stumps? Yet all this time, even until today, I have never heard of the man for whom you inquire. Nevertheless, I will be the guide of Arthur's embassy until you come to the place where is the oldest animal in this world, and the one who has traveled most, the eagle of Gwyn Abbey. When they came to the eagle, Gwahar asked it the same question, but it replied, I have been here for a great space of time, and when I first came hither there was a rock here, from the top of which I pecked at the stars every evening, and now it is not so much as a span high. From that day to this I have been here, and I have never heard of the man for whom you inquire, except once when I went in search of food as far as Linnui, and when I came there, I stuck my talons into a salmon, thinking he would serve me as food for a long time, but he drew me into the deep, and I was scarcely able to escape from him. After that I went with my whole kindred to attack him, and to destroy him. But he sent messengers, and made peace with me, and came and besought me to take fifty fish spears out of his back. Unless he know something of whom you speak, I cannot tell you who may. However, I will guide you to the place where he is. So they went thither, and the eagle said, Salmon of Hinhla, I have come to thee with an embassy from Arthur to ask thee if thou knowest aught concerning Mabin, the son of Modern, who was taken away at three nights old from between his mother and the wall. And the salmon answered, As much as I know I will tell thee. With every tide I go along the river upwards, until I come near to the walls of Gloucester, and there I have found such wrong as I have never found elsewhere and to that end that ye may give credence thereto let one of you go thither upon each of my two shoulders so kay and guihar went up upon his shoulders and they proceeded till they came to the wall of the prison and they heard a great wailing and lamenting from the dungeon said guihar who is it that laments in this house of stone and the voice replied alas it is mabon the son of modron who was here imprisoned. Then they returned and told Arthur, who, summoning his warriors, attacked the castle. And whilst the fight was going on, Kay and Bedwyr, mounting on the shoulders of the fish, broke into the dungeon and brought away with them Maven, the son of Modron. Then Arthur summoned unto him all the warriors that were in the three islands of Britain and in the three islands adjacent. And he went as far as Ixir Orville in Ireland, where the boar Truith was with his seven young pigs, and the dogs were let loose upon him from all sides. But he wasted the fifth part of Ireland, and then set forth through the sea to Wales. Arthur and his hosts, and his horses, and his dogs followed hard after him. But ever and a while the boar made a stand, and many a champion of 
Arthur's did he slay. Throughout all Wales did Arthur follow him, and one by one the young pigs were killed. At length, when he would fain have crossed the Severn, and escaped into Cornwall, Mabon, the son of Modron, came up with him, and Arthur fell upon him, together with the champions of Britain. On the one side Mabon, the son of Modron, spurred his steed, and snatched his razor from him, whilst Kay came up with him on the other side, and took from him the scissors. But before they could obtain the comb, he had regained the ground with his feet, and from the moment that he reached the shore, neither dog nor man nor horse could overtake him until he came to Cornwall. There Arthur and his host followed in his track, until they overtook him in Cornwall. Hard had been their trouble before, but it was child's play to what they meant in seeking the comb. Win it they did, and the poor truth they hunted into the deep sea, and it was never known whither he went. Then Kilich set forward, and as many as wished ill to Yipsathod and Penquar, and they took the marvels with him to his court, and Ka of North Britain came and shaved his beard, skin, and flesh clean off to the very bone from ear to ear. Art thou shaved, man? said Kilich. I am shaved, answered he. Is thy daughter mine now? She is thine, but therefore needst thou not thank me, but Arthur, who hath accomplished this for thee. By my free will thou shalt never have had her, for with her I lose my life. Then Guru, the son of Gustanan, seized him by the hair of his head, and dragged him after him to the keep, and cut off his head, and placed it on a stake on the citadel. Thereafter the hosts of Arthur dispersed themselves, each man to his own country. Thus did Kilich, son of Clethon, win to wife Olwen, the daughter of Ypsathod and Penquar. End of section 13